This is the Unity Community of Central Oregon podcast. So, um, Jane's right. I feel very, very blessed with my little home. It's a thousand square feet. It's very simple, but it's just sweet. And my yard has been my artistic outlet. And, and people do just feel a vibe there. And I'm at the end of a cul-de-sac, and I have awesome neighbors. I call it neighbor nirvana. And it's just, it's just an incredible place. I never, ever would have dreamed that I would have lived there for 17 years, which is what it is this summer. And now it's hard for me to imagine leaving. I can always find peace and quiet there, no matter what is swirling. But two and a half years ago, I decided to add on a classroom in the form of my 30-year-old nephew, who, <laughs> who actually, I have been the parent figure. He calls me mama. And uh, I've been in that figure for m- most of his life. And so far, he's actually not living a very peaceful, serene, and settled life. And I'll give you just a little bit of, of backstory. Um, really difficult parental situation. He's my late sister's son. And I had custody of him for a little while when he was about nine, uh, then became a foster parent at 16 to have custody of him again here in Central Oregon. He was already into some really destructive behavior and I couldn't handle him and wound up having Oklahoma DHS come and take him back, very difficult decision. And he wound up on a path and eventually wound up doing a 10-year prison sentence. And he got himself, and I share this story because he's open about this story, he really turned himself around in that incredibly difficult environment, and I give tremendous credit there. Um, And two and a half, just over two and a half years ago, I was at the prison gates in Oklahoma, out in the middle of BF Egypt, Western Oklahoma. I mean, crazy desolate place. That's a story in and of itself. But picked him up, brought him back to Oregon. He lived in my home with me for several months, which, that was so challenging. Um, and th- but, and to his credit, despite the challenges, he's an incredibly hard worker. He got jobs right away. He saved money and was able to buy a nice travel trailer. Now, one of the other blessings to my little home space is my lot is RM zoned. And so I have a little kind of vacant lot, just it's part of my property. Um, and we ran water and electricity and got him set up with his trailer over there. And he's been there for the most part um, ever since. And though he's doing so well against so many odds, he has got personality characteristics and coping reactions that are really difficult to deal with. And I hate, I almost hate to admit this, but we have a lot of similarities. And we're, <laughs> yeah. And it's a little oil and water, you know. It, 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 he, he lives a lot, he lives, his, his upbringing and his life experience, though, makes him prone to communicating and moving through life with a lot of chaos and a lot of drama and a lot of negativity. And I don't do that anymore, usually. Sometimes in this I do. But helping him unlearn that chaotic, unpleasant way of moving through the world has honestly one of the greatest things that I'm hoping to be able to help him with. And to be honest, so far, it's not working very well. You know, that just is the truth, and and that is my classroom. 
because so often when we are interacting, the concept of serene sill gets blown right out of the water. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing, that's what I really want to drive home in this talk, and you all know it, it's one thing to be serene and peaceful when we're in at least seeming control of our environment, right? When we have things going the way we want. It's something else, again, when we're interacting with someone or some situation that is really challenging to us. I now know, I'm learning, my classroom is teaching me that we're never gonna have an optimal experience in this lifetime. We're never gonna be able to do our greatest good unless we do develop the skills to be able to take the serenity and the peace off the meditation mat and into the messier, trickier, even genuinely unpleasant aspects of life. I believe this is absolutely what Jesus was speaking to when he said being in the world but not of it. Now just over a week ago, I was so in the world and of it. I mean, I was triggered, I was worn out, there, I was really just feeling the weight of all the hard edges in our world. I was worn down by a person who needs a lot from me but often battles the giving. And I, I did not like where my heart was going. I didn't like where my consciousness was or or how I was feeling, or the vibe that I was putting out. It, it was, I was out of balance. And so I did what I often do. I took off camping, and I went up Crooked River, actually wound up at the um, uh, Cobble Rock campground, found a fabulous site, no other people around, right on the end, right over the river, perfect. And I was so worn out, not physically, but I was so tired when I got there, un very uncharacteristically, I just got my camp set up, tent set up, and crashed out that night. And the next morning, got up, it was cold, which was great because it's been so hot here. So I got up, you know, make a cup of coffee, have my rusty trusty put a lot of miles in reclining camp chair, um, and my fleece bag liner, and Freya the dog on her pad and her own sleeping bag because that's how my dogs roll, and just over the river. And the river was singing and osprey were circling with that inimitable wild cry that they have. And magpies, one of my favorites, were doing what magpies do on the other side of the, of the river. And I could, there was no mechanical noise, no humans around. And I could just feel the tension start to drain away. And then, kind of like a bolt of lightning, this thought came into my head that says, be still and go home. It was like a commandment. And my first thought was, hell, I just left home. You know, that's, I mean, this is what I'm, you know, this is what I'm doing. So it kind of rattled me a little bit. Be still and go home. And so I checked in with the big HS. That's what I call my highest self. Holy Spirit, the part, the Holy Spirit is a part in my view, it's a part of us that remembers our oneness. My big HS. I checked in with that and it was kind of like, okay, okay. I, would, I, I still hadn't come fully present at that point, right? So I did. I really focused on coming into the now, be still coming into that home, really feeling this nature immersion. I started to remember my love for, my awe of this planet and wild nature. And I realized, of course, that I am part of that. And, and that is, in fact, for me, 
home. It is an aspect of home. So I was tuning into that oneness, tuning into being part of the ecosystem, really not thinking much, and boom, again, into my head, be still and come home. My, my HS was heck heckling me. My HS was pestering me, right? AKA loving me, because after a while, sitting with the quiet and just being open to that, open to that, I began to understand a, a deeper aspect of home. It isn't just a place. It isn't just even being in the present moment. It is a state of consciousness that we either take with us or not. Um, when Jesus was asked, where is heaven? He said, heaven is within you. It's within all of us. Our native natural environment, our home, is the peace of God. It's oneness, no matter what is swirling in our lives. Now, many of you know that one of my main spiritual squeezes is A Course in Miracles. And though, though I hadn't consciously remembered it during this camping trip, it's clear that the Course has gotten into my consciousness because I later remembered that there's an, a lesson in there. It's, lesson, it's exercise 182 in the workbook that says, I will be still an instant and go home. And I want to read just a couple of excerpts from the course, from that exercise. The world you seem to live in is not home to you, and somewhere in your mind you know that this is true. A memory of home keeps haunting you, as if there were a place that called you to return. Here's another. Take time today to lay aside your shield, which profits nothing, and lay down the spear and sword you raised against an enemy that does not exist. Be still an instant and go home and be at peace. Now this homecoming, I believe, really requires us to remember, to recognize our own identities. We're not bodies. You're not a body. It's easy to believe we're just bodies because we're wearing bodies, but we're not just bodies. We are expressions, extensions of that God source. There is a self with a capital S in each one of us that is a loving guide, a loving voice, and it knows our way home. In shamanism, um, there's a concept of the oversoul. So there, there, is, there is a concept that each of us here in this human existence, we have a soul, we have an individual soul, and when we make our transition, we actually reconnect with our oversoul, which is the culmination of all life experience we've ever had in whatever lifetime or what have you. It's, it's, our, it's our big, real HS, the oversoul. And Hank Wesselman, who's a he recently passed, but he is a, um, quite a famous sh a shamanic practice teacher. He, he wrote, I remember learning from him, that when we really start to meet and interact with that oversoul, that highest self, it will be the most glorious, beautiful relationship of our lives. I firmly believe that. Th that self, with a capital S, is guiding us all the time toward peace. It's constantly trying to point us toward peace. And the trick is to get above our little human-only self with a little s, which keeps us out of our home, 
keeps us away from home so often. For those of you who are familiar with the Abraham teachings, which is um, uh, wisdom channeled by Esther Hicks, famous for uh, law of attraction um, teachings, I, can't, I was, I was going to say I recently came across this little nugget, but I realized um, this little nugget came across me as I was preparing for this talk. And I was sharing with Jane that it's getting to the point now, I'm getting comfortable enough in this kind of, of, of service that when I start to work toward a talk, inspiration just comes in from left and right. So this is one of them. I get the Abraham teaching emails um, each day, and I want to read it. You can never have a happy ending at the end of an unhappy journey. It just doesn't work out that way. The way you're feeling along the way is the way you're continuing to prepave your journey. And it's the way it's going to continue to turn out until you do something about the way you're feeling. Be still and come home. Be still and remember what you are. And this is why we're here. We're all on a spiritual path. Everyone in this room and everyone uh, listening in for sure. This is why we practice. Now, one of my spiritual practice, I have just coined this term, I think it's very cool, is nature bathing, right? That's what I do. I get out onto mama earth and love her up and feel that back. That's a practice for me, and I know it is for a lot of us. And the discipline in the practice is carving time for that. Carving time, right? Prioritizing. Um, I always say that for me, getting, getting out into wild nature is a retreat so that I can then advance more readily. And, and for me also, though, as I was nature bathing and working on my inner self, trying to bring myself back to, back to a state of being that I knew was healthier, um, I, I also realized, though, that nature isn't just home. It's a portal. It's a portal. It's a way of getting to that deeper home consciousness. It's a way of finding that kingdom within myself, our rightful home, the peace of God, attending unity services, prayer, meditation, studying spiritual wisdom sources. All of those are practices that train us to more readily come home to our true selves, no matter what the circumstances are. Now, the Course in Miracles also teaches that any any enemy, any person, any situation that we have a conflict with, a challenge with, is actually our savior. What? I mean, I, I struggled with that with a lot of people, but lately with my son. It's like, who is saving whom here, right? So I want you just to think for a moment right now of someone, and maybe you all are a little more evolved than me, and maybe you don't have anyone or anything in your life that you have an irritation with, but if you do, uh, think of that person or that thing, and just think of, just allow the thought to bubble that that is your savior right now. Just let that, let that sit. So back to my camping trip. A couple days later, I broke camp, headed back toward my little physical oasis of a home. I was feeling so much better, and I probably made a real mistake when once I got back into cell range, I pulled over to see if I had any important emails or texts. I had a whole string of drama texts from my son. <laughs> ah! It was 
everything from, you know, financial stuff to it was real smoky and he thought he should turn all the hoses on. And so then I find myself thinking, God, I hope he hasn't been letting the water run for, you know. So I, I collect myself again. I pull it all back. I pull it all back. I get home and he comes in and things escalate. And I'm not even going to go into it, but really escalated. And finally, I gave him two weeks notice. And that's a really, really painful thing for me to do. Two weeks to get yourself and your trailer out of here. Um, and he got really, really ugly in reaction to that. Not physically, I want everyone to know, but really, really pretty nasty. He was in fear, you know, of course. And I was so f sad about it. And so honestly still though, so angry also, although I did not engage. I was much better able because of the practices, because of unity principles, I was much better able to stay above the battlefield, able to, able to remember who I am and able to remember who he is, even if that's not readily apparent in certain, in certain circumstances. And I had a breakthrough really with this. Um, when I let the, let the, um, the, the unity principle that God is everywhere present in everything and that we are always connected with that source. We are always one with it. I reminded myself that he too is a spiritual being having a spiritual journey and I'm not responsible for his journey. I'm sure I'm not speaking any big aha to any of you who have, had, who have children or who have had... Um, people dependent upon them, difficult people. You know, and I reminded myself too that um, if I allowed these kinds of episodes to continue without consequence, at some point there's a, there's that you tip into that line of enabling, right? I was balancing on that line and I knew it. I knew I had to make a difficult decision and I also knew my own boundaries. I'm not gonna be bullied. I'm not gonna, not gonna go there. So. This was a super, super difficult decision because appearances had been telling us that he was not going to be able to find any place else to live. The housing is already hard enough in central Oregon, but what I have learned, man, if you have a criminal record, it is almost impossible to get into help. That's what appearances were telling us. Even RV parks wouldn't take him once they ran a background check. So I had fear around that, but I also knew Something had to change. We had to make a change. Well, son of a gun, you know, I stayed in possibility. I stayed in the God is everywhere present. There's openings here that, we, that I don't know of. I did some fourth dimension work around this. I got into my own meditative space, and then I went in meditation. I saw him as a spark of spirit, as a bright light, just like that same little bright light I fell in love with when I met him as a little bitty baby. I saw that. I sent him love. I sent in a prayer claim form here and one of our fabulous prayers. There's prayers and there are prayers, and we got some good ones in this room. Sent me back a powerful prayer, an affirmative prayer, envisioning success for him and peace for him, and I forwarded that on to him. And again, I, I tuned into the I am. I am a spiritual being. You are a spiritual being. My son is a spiritual being. Lo and behold, due to his work ethic and the fact that he's developed some pretty darn good relationships with employers and handyman clients, he found a place. He found a place to rent, affordable for his RV. It's a good neighborhood. 
I truly believe that this is gonna be the best thing for him because it's a, it's a yes, right? It's a demonstration of not everything is blocked. And he did this one on his own, which is awesome. Now, navigating this classroom, I have made so many mistakes. I mean, I, I, I just, I'm still making mistakes. I'm still angry, actually, about the whole thing that, that happened. I was working on that this morning in my own meditation prior to coming here. But it's a whole lot better than I used to be able to navigate it. And I've pulled on Unity's 12, one of Unity's 12 powers is release, surrender, release. Release that rutted thinking, release that sort of obsessive thinking about what I really want to tell him. Release, choose again, choose again. I have had to stretch through this and face aspects of my personality and my reactions that I did not enjoy facing. It is my most intense laboratory for learning to come back to myself, to come back home. And so yes, my son is my savior. Woo, that's a stretch to even say it. But it's true, and one of these days he's gonna hear that. Difficult relationships, difficult circumstances, difficult diagnoses, these are all opportunities to grow our I am muscles. These are opportunities to get more skillful and powerful in opening up to the kingdom of heaven that is within each one of us right now in this moment. And I think over time, the more powerful we get in, in doing that, the fewer chaos classrooms we really need to have. That's kind of the ultimate goal for me at least. Now, remember the story of Faust? Faust is a highly intellectual scholar who gets really disenchanted with life and depressed, and he attempts suicide unsuccessfully, and then winds up calling in the devil. He wants to see if he can find a way to indulge all of his sensual pleasures and all the knowledge of the world and all of that. Well, the devil's representative, Mephistopheles, shows up. And he does make a bargain with Faust. He says Faust can use his magical powers for several years. And at the end of the term, though, Faust has basically got to sign his soul over to the devil. And Faust winds up using Mephistopheles for all kinds of carnal pleasure and shenanigans and whatever. Um, and it doesn't go all so well for him in the end, by the way. Some versions say that, that uh, he was indeed damned to hell eternally, and other versions say God saved him right at the last minute. But that's not the point. There's all kinds of interesting metaphysics in that story. But here's the piece I want to pluck out. Mephistopheles is always portrayed as a devil or a demon type of character. He's always portrayed as a bad guy. But there's a super interesting thing that old Meph says in this story. He describes himself, quote, as a part of that force that would do evil, yet forever works for good. And he complains that nobody appreciates him. He says, he says why? If it weren't for me, nothing would ever happen. <laughs> ha! <laughs> yeah. It seems many of us need a little devilry, right? We need a little chaos classroom to, to stretch to our next level of evolution. There's a reason I have got my, my son in my life, right? I'm ready for that, for that stretch, for that growth. Be still and come home. It's just like Jesus' simple prayer, be still and know that I am God. And just before I wrap, I want to I've mentioned to you many times, Walter Lanyon is um, 
uh, one of the early New Thought teachers, he's a, born in the 1800s. This part I'm going to read was from his book, Without the Smell of Fire, 1941. He's become one of my very, very favorite New Thought authors, by the way. I'm going to read two excerpts. He says, Suddenly man arises from the filth of human thinking, goes in and shuts his door, and begins the simple prayer of Jesus. Be still and know that I am God. A contemplation of God more and more establishes the presence, capital P, until you have one God here, there, and everywhere, and eternally available. It's easy enough to find God in things good and beautiful, but you are to discover him in hell, in your problem, your enemy, your disease, and the moment you do, the embodiment begins to appear. The embodiment of who we really are. The embodiment of us in a kingdom. There's one other that I want to read. If, if you know of any man or situation that can keep you out of your heaven, then you know of something that is stronger than God, and you should fall down and worship that greater power. If there's anything that can hold out against God and win, then that is the thing for you to worship. Do you believe in God, or do you? And if you do, enter into your consciousness and be free. It is within our power, no matter what is bubbling in this human part of the journey, it is within our power to come home and be free, to step into our own heaven. You are an extension of God creator, wondrously made, wondrously made. Be still and come home. And with that, I just want you to stay tuned in to yourself and we're going to play a song and a video and kind of a meditative reflection time. And that will end the message part. You are the face, you are the face. 